Hello, everybody. Welcome to Inside the Game. Joining me are my two hosts, Tyler McLean McGee and Shalom Druk. You know, I only did that on purpose because Tyler McLean is one of my favorite Clipper announcers because I clip so much. And that was an inside joke directed at my man, Matt Gottesman. But hey, we are talking the hot stove. It is baseball. And getting to it is the most fiery one of us all. He's got more pop in him than a jalapeno pepper. He's spicier whoa, whoa, than cinnamon. I don't know if we want to go Shalom there. Shalom is going to is, throw it down. It is hot stove season. The winter meeting just ended. They were held in San Diego. And a lot of news to get to. A lot of trades that happened that are very interesting. And let's start with my Detroit Tigers waking up this morning to Rick Purcell being traded to the Boston Red Sox for the main uh, person they got in return was Joannis Cespedes, who's a power hitter, and he throws out runners. He's a talent the Tigers needed. You put him in front of Miguel Cabrera, and that's dangerous because he's going to be seeing a lot more pitches than he did in Oakland where they, were, where they didn't have as much or as good as hitters as the Tigers had. So you got the Rick Porcello trade for Cespedes. You have John Lester who signed with the Cubs. That's an interesting signing. And then the Dodgers are getting rid of everybody. Uh, Hanley's gone. Uh, you, you got Kent gone. D, uh, D. Gordon's gone. So a lot of, of all-around, a lot of interesting trades taking place. Uh, so let's get let's get your thoughts, of course, about my Tigers. They'll 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 deal with Yoannis Cespedes. Um, you know, it's kind of funny how you mention Yoannis Cespedes because throughout the whole baseball season, when we have our shows, you love to talk so much trash about Yasiel Puig. This is basically I- what you are getting. Yeah, Tyler. Tyler, please, please, please back me up on this. I'll, I'll just smack talk with. I don't think they're getting basically Yasiel Puig. Yeah, they're, they're not. They're not basically getting Yasiel Puig. But the thing is, they're getting a power hitting outfielder with a cannon forearm. It's a great deal for the Tigers. Bolsters already probably one of the best lineups in the major leagues, and now you add him in the mix with Cabrera. And uh, you are looking at possibly some thunder with a little bit of thunder and lightning, you know, within that lineup. And you can't forget about Victor Martinez, who had a great season this past year for the Tigers and recently signed the four-year deal with them, too. Uh, J.D. Martinez, their left fielder, uh, he's also, you know, uh, had a great season for the Tigers after they picked him up uh, off waivers from the Astros. And this is also very interesting. The Tigers to be a, look a lot different than they did were, than they were last year. Their defense is better. They're getting Jose Iglesias, who's one of the top shortstops in the league defensively, back. They got uh, Ghost, who's going to be playing in center field. Uh, they got him from Toronto, talented player. Now you have Cespedes playing left field or, or right field, depending on where they're going to put him. With his arm, you know, that saves that, – that, that are things that don't necessarily go into statistics because there are many times where runners won't run. Now, you, you won't see that saving much runs. You know, you'll, the throwing out assists go on record, but there are times where players are going to be afraid to run on him, which do, that doesn't go into statistics. So I think I really like this trade for the Tigers. Uh, Rick Purcello is a very good pitcher. He's, you know, a great number three pitcher. He's, you know, very solid. I don't think he's going to be worth the money he's going to get later in the season. And then there's obviously Max Scherzer. The Tigers lost Max Scherzer this year. So they're, their starting pitching won't be as good. And the amount Scherzer is requesting two hundred million dollars is just ridiculous from any point of view. No pitcher is worth two hundred million unless it's Kershaw, in my opinion. I don't think anybody's worth that yeah. much money, and especially Max Scherzer. He's gonna be thirty this year, so I think that's overpaying for someone. And uh, here's one of the misnomers in that with Scherzer's agent, you're dealing with Scott Boris. Scott Boris, in the last ten, fifteen, twenty years of baseball, has been conjuring up these these big deals. For you know a lot of overpriced players. I mean, he's gotten a lot of good, good players signed legitimately, and uh, you know you you look at Scherzer's numbers as of late. You know he won 20, 21 games last year, won eighteen games this year. With that being said, you you look at his age, and I think that you know he was complimented a little bit with Justin Verlander, who you know struggled this year. Credit to him, but is he worth? $200 million, um, I don't think he's worth that much, and I want him for the Dodgers. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Tyler? Scherzer in a Dodgers uniform would be a little weird right now because you look at the pitching moves that they just picked up. Brandon McCarthy coming into the rotation is going to be a number four in the rotation behind Kershaw, Granke, and Ryu. 
So you're going to make another starting pitching move when you're trying to bolster the bullpen. And they totally reworked the infield, adding Jimmy Rollins, bringing in Howie Kendrick. You also have arbitration uh, with Darwin Barney, who's staying on the club, is going to be a utility guy. So Dodgers kind of making a lot of moves, especially through the trade market. Yeah. The, the problem is, and they're going to have to do more trades because there's the, the most of the bullpen arms, you know, top end arms like Miller, Robinson have already been signed. So if they're looking to bolster the back end of their bullpen, there they're going to have to do it through a trade market, and you know they might have to trade one of their starting pitchers. Yeah. And this question, I mean, there are rumors, and as there always are during the winter meetings, and most of them are false. And that you know, you just hear a bunch <laughs> of things about Zach Greinke potentially being traded. I don't think there's any chance that's happening, but. You have to look at it this way. He is in a contract year, theoretically, because he has the option to opt out after this season. And if if he's smart enough, he'll do that because he'll want to sign a longer extension for the same amount of money he's making, just longer, as opposed to waiting it out where he'll be older. So you'd rather hit free agency in, in, in your prime. I don't think any trade with Greinke is going to take place, but the Dodgers are going to have to get creative. And I actually like the moves that they did. You know, They yeah. got rid of Kemp, and, and they're paying a fortune, $15 million a year, I think, well, of his contract. They're but, sending him $30 million right away to kind of pay the – Hundred that's left on the deal, but you look yeah. at it, it's coming back. They have another catcher coming back with them. They sent Tim Federovich with Kemp, but they're yeah. getting Yasmani Grandal, who's a good offensive catcher. Big time. Who's going to complement AJ Ellis, who's really more of a defensive guy. Big time. Uh, I really like the uh, the ad the the signing for Yasmani Grandal. I think it's one of the mo- more underrated signings and picks that you know the Dodgers have done. I mean, forget Howie Kendrick, who by the way, I think is actually a more consistent upgrade at second base than D Gordon, you know, a 297 hitter was finally an all-star, you know, a good contact hitter who, you know, stays consistent, but Yasmani Grandal hit 249 last year and you know some decent power in his bat as well. Now, would you rather have him in the lineup as opposed to AJ Yellis who who bear, who hit around a buck 90 and then Tim Federovich even worse and then Drew Butera, the same thing. The Dodgers' gaping hole was that eight spot. And now you get a guy like Grandal, and still with the lineup that they have in the outfield, you still have Juan Uribe, who, even though, you know, he's been injury prone, he looks to play third base again, and he's hitting, you know, around 280, 290. You still have Adrian Gonzalez, and then you add a veteran like Jimmy Rollins to, you know, solidify. That dugout, I really enjoy and like the moves that the Dodgers got. The interesting thing is, and then here I think uh, the D. Milner situation with the the D. Milner situation with the Dodgers, the speed he has top speed in the league. D. Milner, uh, why did I see? I say D. Milner. No, D. Gordon. Okay. Who's D? He's the cornerback for the Giants. Or hey, something. Jets, hey, you know Jets. what? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. As a Lions fan, we were hoping to draft him back in the day, but. I, D. Gordon, the, the, with the speed that he brings to the game, and I think, you know, during the regular season, that's that's a great plus. But it's very important to have speed like that when it comes to the postseason. And I think the giant, uh, the, the the Dodgers will be missing out on that speed. They have, I mean, they have other players that could steal bases, but no one like D. Gordon, not not at his level. Okay, but there's, there's very few people in the majors that are like yeah, D. Gordon. There's no, there's barely anyone. I mean, Billy Hamilton's the closest. But he guy. doesn't get on base as much, probably. Well, he's also a young guy, though. He's going to build into it. Yeah. Well, 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 you 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 say that too, but Howie Kendrick is is still pretty young too. I mean, he's a little bit older than than he's D. A Gordon. Lot older than D. Gordon. He, he's like he's like 28, 20, 29 years old, right? He's, he's he's a lot older than D Gordon. D Gordon is like but, three years. But since the but majors. the thing is though, he's got a he's got a he's got a lower strikeout strikeout to to hit ratio than than D Gordon, and that was one of the biggest problems the problem, for the him with the last world. year. What was the fact that you know he struck out a lot, you know, in the big time spots. I personally would rather have a guy you know who's more consistent, has a better fielding percentage than than D Gordon. I mean, D Gordon's got speed. But you know he still looked like he had problems, you know, covering the 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 the, the backside and the front side, you know, of that infield. You got you get more consistency with Howie Kendrick, and that's what the Dodgers and that's what the management is looking for this season. See, everyone keeps bashing D Gordon's defense, but they don't bring up the fact that D Gordon was new to second base and the improvements he made throughout the year and his willingness to work at it. A lot of guys would have just like, oh, I don't want to play second base. I'm a shortstop. D. Gordon accepted the role at second base and worked at it. Well, how, and how, he made great improvements throughout the year. How could you not, though? Because the thing about D. Gordon was prior to to this year. I mean, I mean, forget this year. I mean, D. Gordon. You know, by all accounts, this year he he was the leader 
in stolen bases. You know, he was one of the one of the leaders in triples. You know, and he did a lot of good things for the Dodgers. But last year was supposed to be you know his year where where he was supposed to shine on, and he all he kind of lost his position at short and had to convert this to problem. being a second this baseman. And when you're looking, hang on, hang on, just let me finish my point. When you're looking at you know a guy like Hanley Ramirez who is a pow- who is a power hitter, a proven all star, and you know you kind of have to take a back seat when you're looking at Hanley Ramirez right right in front of you. So so how is that D Gordon's fault that the Dodgers got Hanley Ramirez who was Hanley's going to start over because, basically because he, every shortstop because he lost his because he lost his spot and he had to convert to second base if he wanted to, well, to but, play every. But day. that's not losing your spot if they acquire a guy that's a, you know a batting champion on there that's. You know, that's not on D. Gordon. The problem all. is D. Gordon. You have to understand, not every player is going to be a Yasuo Puig or or a. Uh, well, we're not or, looking for uh, that. That's though. what I'm saying. So what he brings, he's not going to be your top end guy necessarily. You don't need him to be a star, but he brings certain values to the game that m- most players don't. Stealing bases at the rate that he steals bases, he gets on. He gets on first. There's a big chance he's going to be put in scoring position. And that's it, that's crucial during the regular season, but come postseason, there's nothing like that because runs are at a, at a minimum during the postseason. So speed is everything. Now, now he's not. No one's saying he. You need him to be, you know, uh, a great, you know, Dustin Pedroia, but he brings a lot of value to to the Do- to the Dodgers. But now, yeah, well, you know, and on, and all these points are valid. I mean, you you are right. You know, his his speed in the in the postseason. Can help, but at the same time, you got to get on base first. I mean, I would rather have a guy that has a higher on base percentage. Okay, so like, Puig, like, Puig okay, never got yeah, on base yeah. in the playoffs, so we should trade Puig, right? Hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying we're we're, we're talking. Let's just let's just focus on on Kendrick versus D Gordon, and we'll and we'll get to Puig in a sec. All right, you got Howie Kendrick, who's who's got who's got a higher on base percentage than than D Gordon. I would rather have a guy that would have a higher on base percentage and a guy that hits for average more as opposed to a guy that, you know, maybe hits two two seventy five, two eighty, you know, even though he didn't start the year three hundred. Um, I would rather have a guy, you know, like Howie Kendrick who's hitting two ninety seven throughout the whole season who's getting on base more than a guy that steals bases like D Gordon. It's just me and that's just, you know that's just uh, my, my, my personal philosophy. It's you know that's intriguing. But another thing, let's talk about the Jimmy Rollins trade. This is great move in 2010, but now, uh, I mean, it's an okay. I think you can have him. He's one year left on his contracts. So I don't think well, it's that bad. They're looking at a stopgap to get Corey Seager ready. Yeah, correct. Once he's coming you know, up so to the majors, it's his position. They're looking but at they're a guy also in a win, win now type of mode too. That, that, but he still has that. And he kind has of value. So he brings value, but he's no Jimmy okay. Rollins. Don't but get the, mixed up. Don't expect to the see. one. The one problem though that a lot of people are saying is that oh, he still has some pop. But that was in Philadelphia. That's a very hitter's park. Big time. Dodger Stadium is not. So, he, you know, is the numbers going to be the same? Most likely, no. Yeah. It, he hits for average. No. Oh, hit, hitting for average? He hit two forty three last year. No, I'm talking with, about when with, he was during his prime. During his prime. But 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 now he's 36 years old. Tyler's right. This was basically a gap filler for right now and trying to see what, what they could do best to get to get Jimmy to get the best out of Jimmy, you know, while he is still in the league. Because at 36 years old, you know, he could be retiring very soon. With the numbers dwindling, I think this is a good move short-term for, for the Dodgers to, you know, try to ease Corey Seager, you know, into the rotation, see how he does in the spring training. And if you put some bombastic numbers like the way Puig did, you know, when when, when he when he first was, was in that spring training and then eventually came up, it could be a it could be a good move. I don't see Jimmy Rollins being the Dodgers' long term shortstop for right now. Let's get to this move that I thought was very right. John Lester signs with the Cub for six years, one hundred and fifty five million. And here's a very interesting thing that's more difficult for Los Angeles to attract free agents when it comes to baseball than other sports. The one thing you gotta keep in mind, I saw a statistic, uh income tax. In the state of California, uh over this contract he would have had to pay, I think, twenty million in Los Angeles, whereas in Illinois he would have had to pay five point five. So technically, any team, whether it's Los Angeles or San Francisco, would have to pay him an extra fifteen million to to equalize that 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 tax. I thought that was very interesting. As far as the Cubs, a great move. I think they're going to be a good baseball team. They have John Madden coaching them. They have Joe Madden. Did I just say Jack- John Madden? It happens. Both great coaches, and uh, you know what? We'll, we'll give you the benefit of the no, doubt no, on that he's one. A ba- and, and they have young talent coming up. 
they're going to be an interesting th- team to see. And Theo Epstein, one of the better uh, general managers in the, in the game the today. I'll break the curse of the Bambino. Well, uh, let's see yeah, what he could do. That's the curse of the Billy Goat. No, he, no he, he, helped. he helped break he the helped curse it. of the Bambino, and now he's got the curse of the Billy Goat. Will he, uh, break, will he break the curse of the Billy Goat? Interesting fact, too. In Back, back of the Future Part 2 in the year 2015, the Cubs won the World Series. I don't see that happening though this year, but I do think it's it's a good start for the Cubs trying to you know reestablish themselves they're, they're, as they're a great a baseball team. team. I think they're a little off. I think maybe two three years down the line they could be like a Kansas City Royals team, but I, I, I still think there's a long way for the, for the Cubs to go. They're still kind of building the system again. You know they have to get guys around. That's why they dealt Samarja to kind of bring in some more young talent. They're, he's building the system that he wants, following the blueprint that he had in Boston, kind of recreating it here. Talking about Samarja, the Oakland Athletics got rid of him, sent him to the White Sox. And the White Sox are a team to look out for this coming year. They have three solid, solid pitchers starting for them. You know, their first three pitchers are fantastic. And Sale, not him. You also got, they got David Robertson uh, from the Yankees, a solid, you know, close. I think they may have overpaid for him, but, you know, uh, bullpen's coming at a, at a high price lately. Yeah, yeah. It's looking interesting on there. It's guys are kind of seeing what you need to do. The question is, building around it. Do you think Andrew Miller could close? Who's the be? Who's going to be the Yankees' closer? He's a great reliever. He had one great, fantastic season. I mean, he was a starting pitcher. He bounced around the league first couple of years. He's done very good as a late. The question is, can he close? Hologram Mariano. Uh, I mean, I would just go with that one. Hmm. Well, we'll 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 have to we'll have to see. He. I mean, you're talking about Yankee Stadium. And, uh, you know, when you're playing at Yankee Stadium, you got to be able to live up to the pressure. Can Andrew do that? We will see. Also, another good trade that happened, which I think is a very underrated trade. Um, Matt Latos traded to the Marlins, had a pretty, was pretty solid. I mean, not great numbers, but, you know, pretty consistent, you know, with, uh, with the, the Cincinnati Reds. A couple of 13-plus uh, win when seasons uh, joins joins Jose Fernandez and uh, the Marlins, you know, with with the moves that that they have made, you know, first of all, locking up our guy. What, what are you looking at, Shalom? No, I'm just looking at statistics. Yeah. All right. So, um, locking up John Carlos yeah. Stanton. Yeah. So you're looking picking up locking Gordon, up Car- going to set the table for John Carlos Stanton. Yeah. Oh, hey, oh, well, house. See, that's just dangerous because as a pitcher, one of the things that are underrated as a pitcher is. When runners are on base, and especially if you have a D Gordon, that takes your mind off the batter at times, and that that your chance of making uh, a mistake increase. And with D Gordon on the pads and Stanton hitting behind, and that that could be a, that could be a very in- interesting combo for Miami. But in order for that, it just com- feels weird seeing no, Miami no, no. Marlins. No, I I still wish that they would just change their name back to Florida. That's just me. But uh, you know, with uh, with with D Gordon. I mean, it could potentially, you know, create one of the best one-two combos in the big leagues. But first, what D. Gordon has to do is he's got to reduce his strikeout ratio. I mean, even even last year when when he was an all-star, I mean, he hit decent for average, but he's got to less lessen the strikeouts and just make contact. Because if he just makes contact, I mean, we I was watching, you know, this this movie. Bull, Bull Durham and what separates, you know, a Hall of Famer from just an average player, you know, a, 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 a little roller that, you know, turns your average from one for four to two for four. You know, if D Gordon can just make contact and not strike out as much, then boy, do the Marlins get a seal. But that has to happen in order for the Marlins to be successful. I think if they put him at, I know he's a number one hitter, but if they put him at number two, let's say in front of Stan, I think he'll see more pitches, more hittable pitches because he's hitting in front of him. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with Miami. Well, don't don't the Marlins still have Bonifacio as well? Uh, yeah, they they do so, have, so they, have they do have Bonifacio right too at, at, at the at the top of the lineup. Yeah. So, but but uh but how, what what do you think of the Mar of the Marlins and how their their pitching rotation is going is going to play out? I mean, they have Jose Fernandez who's coming off of Injury. major shoulder surgery. I think he had Tommy John. So uh, with with Fernandez in the mix and and Latos in the mix, um, you know, and a and a Braves team that you know really has been pretty quiet. It could be an interesting year for the NL East. I think it looks uh, pretty wide open. What do you guys think? I don't know if it's as wide open as people think just because the Nationals are still sitting pretty pat and a very good team on there. 
Marlins have a lot of work to do to kind of build that back up. I mean, they're still young. I think it, they have a couple is, of years It is before. just John Carlos Stanton there right now. Yeah, they still need more in that pieces. offense. And but then you added D Gordon, as you said. I think so, one. So hmm. how, how do you how good do you guys think that D Gordon is really going to do? Is are we are is he going to have a season where he wants to prove the Dodgers wrong and you know maybe hit around two ninety, possibly three hundred? steal the bases that he did did last year and just completely open up this offense? Or are you going to get the guy that, you know, struggled kind of as of late for the Dodgers, you know, in August and, and September where his numbers just kind of went down? I think you'll see in between that, you know, a little more, more of a balanced situation. One thing I want to get to I thought was very interesting is uh, Seattle, right? We, I don't know if we spoke about this. Nelson Cruz going to, to the Mariners. They're an interesting team now. Because they got Robinson Cano, they got Nelson Cruz, they got Austin Jackson too. So they they have an interesting lineup going on. And there were rumors about them getting Melky. I don't know if that ever happened. Uh, Melky's other, still a free agent. Melky's still a free agent. And I think the one thing that's going to hurt Melky is that is that <clears throat> is that draft pick. The team, you know, whoever signed him is going to have to give up. And and the money that he wants, I don't know if he's necessarily worth it. Um, however, so I think that might be interesting if he goes to Seattle. Did they have a South Man, their pitching is fantastic. Too. Yeah, I mean, you have King Felix at the start of the rotation there. It's a very solid team. That's the reason why that they played until the last day of the season. Correct, and no one expected that. And it's, you know, they're, what, a year away always on there. But the one thing that I think a lot of people are going to look at is the money that they gave Seeger. Yeah. On ah. there is, is maybe holding it back because they are spending a lot of money for where they are market wise. Correct. For a yeah. team that never wants to spend those, I think the Angels aren't going to get any better because they're just getting older. You know. Well, that's that's what the part of the Howie Kendrick deal is: is that they bring in Haney, who is a real top prospect in the Marlins organization. You send Howie Kendrick out, you get another pitcher in there. It's going to help kind of the Garrett Richards situation if he comes back with the injuries he had on there because C.J. Wilson hasn't quite worked out on there. Jared Weaver's had arm problems the last couple of years, so you need to rework the lineup a little bit in the rotation. And he, Andrew does that. One of the things that's interesting as a, as a, a Tigers fan, I have been extremely lucky throughout my years to have Dave. Winter meetings is a whole lot of fun. The hot stove season with Dave Dombrowski, there's always a move going on. You know, when you look back, his, you know, the first big move, obviously, like every year there's a trade. There was the Miguel Cabrera trade with the Marlins, uh, where Dontrell Willis came back to the Marlins, by the way. Interesting thought. Uh, there was obviously the Max Scherzer deal, which sent Curtis Grandison, who was a, kind of a Tiger, you thought would be a Tiger for life. And then there was, you know, the Prince Fielder when they signed Prince Fielder. And now there's, you know... Trading Prince Fielder. And then there, oh, the next season, correct, trading Prince Fielder. And, and, and then this year you get Cespedes. So there's always something happening around, you know, and it's a lot of fun. So there's off-season baseball, especially around the winter meetings, is always a lot of fun as a fan. Well, what are your experience as a fan, you know, the both of you, when it comes winter season? Well, one of the things about Dodgers, and by the way, before we talk about the Dodgers, I really do have, have to give credit for the Detroit Tigers because, you know, when, 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 when they traded Prince Fielder, I'm like, um, what are you guys doing? You just took out one of the best power hitters in the big league. I but, love but, that but, trade when it happened. Yeah, no, no, why. no, no, no. But, but, but exactly, that's the thing. It ended up working out. And one of the reasons why the Tigers have been so successful and probably been one of the most consistent baseball teams, you know, in the past, you know, three, four seasons is because of the fact that, you know, they're not afraid to make moves. No season is like, is like the next season, and they're constantly making the adjustments. They're always adding pieces, but without giving away too much, and it's why they've solidified themselves as the team in the AL Central. Will the Chicago White Sox possibly take that away from them? I don't see that, you know, happening right now. But you know, that's one thing about the Tigers that that why why they've been so successful is because they've made adjustments. For the Dodgers, however, it's been about the home run deal. You know, um, you know, in in the in the past, you know, whether it's been getting Manny Ramirez or you know getting Hanley Ramirez and getting Adrian Gonzalez. I mean, the Dodgers have been focused a lot on the home run situation, but now that, you know, under new management with uh, Farhad Zaidi and uh, Andrew Friedman, I like the moves that the Dodgers have been making. Nothing big yet, and there's nothing, there hasn't been a move that says, yes, you know, this team on paper is a World Series team. But, you know, getting Howie Kendrick and then, you know, getting... Jamie Rollins, even though he is old and, you know, his numbers have tampered off, 
he is Jimmy Rollins. He's still one one of the best shortstops, you know, in terms of playing the field. Now he gets a chance to breathe a little bit of fresh air after being in Philadelphia for so long. So uh, what are your thoughts, Tyler? Well, he's not going to get too much fresh air. This is L.A. We have kind of smog and stuff here. Hey, you know what? Hey, yeah. Well, Tyler, what's your experience as a fan? Malibu. As a fan, as a baseball fan, this is the most exciting part of the season. This and the trading deadline. You know, obviously, unless your team's in the playoff, but as from a management perspective, this is a well, lot of fun. It's when you guys have money to spend, it's when it's really exciting. But if you're in the kind of the Dodger situation, whereas they don't have money to spend, you're kind of seeing what they can do trade-wise. On there. That's what they're still looking at, maybe dealing Andre Ethier. Not a huge market out there for him. Carl Crawford, maybe. On there, still not a lot of the market on there just because the the money that they're still owed. But it's got to yeah. find something for them to do. The big nomer here is now that Matt Kemp is gone, the true spotlight is now on Yasiel Puig to shine. Well, I mean, I mean, it, it was last year, but now that he doesn't have Matt Kemp to really, you know, share... You know some some of the load and some of the spotlight. Now this has become Yasiel Puig's team. Will he succeed and will he be able to lead this ball club? That remains to be seen. And I think that you know whatever the Dodgers do, you know what whether they you know go and go north or whether they go south, the the lights are on uh, Yasiel Puig now to to succeed and try to carry. This club, what are you guys' thoughts? He's, Puig's going back to right field on there because there's a guy named Jock Pedersen who's going to be roaming center field for the Dodgers Pedersen. on there. So, he, I mean, he, you're looking at what's going to happen here. It's Puig's the cover boy right now. A lot of people in L.A. like him, but I don't know if he is the top guy on the team on there that's going to control what the Dodgers do. Here's the, His offensive numbers are going to dictate it, but I don't know if he's the rah-rah guy up front. Can't get, I, I, I'm ready for, you know, the season to start. I want to see what, you know, what's in store for everything. I, I want to so I can't, I'm, I'm ready for baseball. You're ready for I, baseball. I'm ready for baseball. Not, not, not necessarily the whole season. Uh, but so. Shalom's got Yoannis Suspedis, and it's all of a sudden. I got, I got Tiger I baseball fever. in December, and I got Tiger I, fever. If you look at that Tigers lineup, it is scary how good they are. They were second in runs in baseball last year, and they've only added talent at that level. Let's look at this. So you have Ian Kinsler, who's a solid leadoff hitter. Then you got number two, you could put Yonet Cespedes. Cespedes. His name's fascinating. I, I Even if he didn't know how to play baseball, I would trade just for his name. Yonet Cespedes. You see that? That's a great name to have. Um, so you have. I wish him, we could get a translation of what that means. You got to have him for the, as the number two. Then you have Miguel Cabrera at number three. Then you got Victor Martinez, who who had a better season than Miguel Cabrera at the plate last year. What's your announcer's voice? Uh, <laughs> he had. You have him at number four. Then you got JD Martinez at, at at your five, who had a solid season with a lot of power, hitting for average. And now the six, seven, eight, nine hitters. But you still got talent. You got Rajay Davis, who a lot of speed. You got Alex Avila. Yeah, I mean, he's not the player he was when he made the All-Star team, but he can still hit for some power. I mean, he's still to be seen, though, what he can do. You have uh, uh, Then you got the, the rookie this past year, uh, Castellanos. He'll probably hit six. He had a, a, a pretty good rookie season. You know, I like Alex a, Castellanos. Uh, Nick. Nick Cassiano, excuse me. And, and he has talents. He's only going to get better. So you put him at six, seven, eight, nine, you have a decent team. I think nine's going to be a... He's going to be bad, especially when they have ghosts in the field. He's not much of a hitter, but he's one of the better, one of the best defensive center fielders there are in the league. And he has speed. So I think this Tigers, from a lineup perspective, is very interesting. And I also like their pitching's all right. What people they got Justin Verlander. I think he's going to have a bounce back season. I think he's going to have to change. He's not going to be able to throw for power, but he's going to have to learn how to use the pitches he has and and you know become more an off speed pitcher. Then you got David Price. David Price, lefty, fantastic. I want them to sign him to contract extension. Anibal Sanchez, one of the more underrated uh, pitchers in the league. And there's still to be seen what uh, Green and this new pitcher they got from the Reds today, Simon, can do. So the Tigers would be interesting, although their back end of the bullpen still scares me a bit. All right, so we 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 are ready for, for some uh, for some football? Or I'm always ready for football. About? I'm always All ready right. for football. Although I got a question to you, Mr. Yeah. Ethan Hansen. Yes, sir. Your New Orleans Saints had a shot at uh, you know staying close for first place in that horrible NFC division. Yeah, no. And they got humiliated by we Superman. We did. Okay, the only thing that could sack Cam Newton this week literally was traffic. <laughs> I mean... 
the 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 Panthers by by all accounts they straight up destroyed the Saints in every aspect of the game. Drew Brees didn't have any time to throw. The running game was virtually non-existent, and Cam Newton seemed like he was just flying ev- everywhere. What's with and, Jimmy and, Graham? And, and Jimmy Graham, I I mean the the Saints just, gave him a big contract, and right now he's a little bit underperforming. The ball come down with it. I don't understand. With that, that. being said, though. At five and eight, they are still tied for first place. And with the Bears coming up, I think they're going to beat the Bears on the road this week. They're going to come back and beat the Falcons. And then they have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are terrible. And if the Saints can win those three games, then that eight and eight, I still see them winning the NFC South. Here's the interesting thing, though. Here's the thing you got to look at. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, about a week ago, before they played the Lions this past week, had a shot at getting the number one pick and were also in contention for being a playoff spot and winning a division. That's how bad that division is. That's just, you may have a six win team potentially making the playoffs. That's just, no. I don't think you've, we've ever had, I think the, the worst scenario was when we had eight and 18th, maybe and once, seven and nine. I'm not sure the Seahawks, the, the Seahawks, the Seahawks the they beat the, uh, the Saints, Saints in the playoffs. They were seven and nine? Were, I think they were a lower. Record in there. Yeah. yeah they, I think, yeah, that makes sense. They were 7 9. The year they'd be the same. And it's unbelievable, though, how it, it's just a sad division. No, it, it, it is a very sad division, and the Saints have underperformed. I mean, you know, with the players that they have, I mean, it seems like finally Mark Ingram is finally starting to come in to his own. But Drew Brees just, it just doesn't seem like he's mentally comfortable out there. And, you know, with the passes that, that he's been making, I mean, Talk around Saints Nation is the fact that if the Saints don't make the playoffs and they don't win all three of these games, and they and they somehow get 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 taken away f- by either the Falcons or the Panthers, then they're going to be looking for another quarterback. Um, but with that being well, I said, I I, I still yeah. think that so the slow, that slow no, no 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 okay. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not relax. saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I mean, everybody is saying around around the league that you know, he's 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 getting a little bit older. You know, uh, he just doesn't seem to have this up. But with that being said, I still believe in Drew Brees. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, even though he has not played like it this year. These three wins, they they should get these three wins. The Saints have have played pretty well in the past against the Falcons, and I see them moving on now. Johnny Manziel is getting his first start of the week. Johnny Football against the Bengals. How do you think Johnny Football is going to do with a Brown team that was all of a sudden at the beginning of the year thinking, oh, yes, we're going to make the playoffs, and now they have hit that stretch at 7-6, and six, and now things are starting to get scary. Johnny Manziel may do what no other person on this planet has ever done yet come this Sunday. No person. What Kim Kardashian couldn't do, no star in Hollywood could do. He might break the internet with his start this week. He It's going to be Manziel frenzy around here, Manziel fever. What I'm saying is ESPN Sports Center, NFL Network, they're not going to be talking playoffs. They're not going to be talking coaches. They're going to be talking Johnny Manziel, whether he does a good game or a bad game. All you're going to see is Menzel, 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 even though I, I, I'm not going to appreciate that. I am actually thrilled. I'm very excited to see what he's going to bring to the table for the Browns. Brian Hoyer, his last four games have been bad. I think they should have They benched him two weeks ago against the Bills. I think they should have started. You know, I don't, not that they shouldn't have started him necessarily versus the Bengals, but after that first half where he threw a pick six, if I'm not mistaken, and he was just not, not connecting with his receivers, I think they should have brought Menzel in. Because uh, two of the touchdowns they scored were on special teams and defense. So Hoyer has been bad as of late. So I think this is a decision the coaching staff was forced into. They'd rather have gone with the veteran. Uh, but but now they, they had no choice going with Menzel. That being said, I think it will be very interesting. We saw a couple glimpses of what he has against the Bills. But now that teams are planning for him and, and, and he's going in as a starter, it will be very interesting yeah. what he brings to the table. Yeah, see, I the, the best part about Johnny Manziel is the fact that, you know, if he does great, then everybody's going to be making money because all of a sudden everybody's going to want, you know, a Johnny Manziel t-shirt if he's able to have a breakout performance. If he lo- if he loses and just falls flat on his face, not not saying that we should, you know, necessarily judge Johnny football, you know, based on this first start, but this literally might be the most hyped up start in NFL 
history because everybody's going to want to see him whether he does great and you know plays the game that 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 he did you know where he threw for a touchdown rush for another or is he going to be you know the the Johnny Manziel where the defense where he's scrambling too early and the defensive linemen are are chasing him out of the pocket and he's making bad decisions so you know th- this week everybody is excited to watch Johnny Manziel with that being said Tyler do you think Johnny football is going to flash or is he going to flood is he going to do great or is he going to stink Marvin Lewis gave him a reason to shine on there. He kind of called him out. Johnny's going to go out there and kind of want to put on for Johnny. You know, yeah. you look at you're saying that he's going to sell some shirts. But the Pro Football Hall of Fame is already selling a Johnny Mansell T-shirt. They're promoting it next to Jim Kelly's, Dan Marino's, Ben Roethlisberger. So he's already in high company there. I think it will be interesting. Here's the thing that's guaranteed to happen. After one start, no matter what, if he has a fantastic game or a horrible game, I don't think we could judge him on one start. But yeah, the media no. is going to judge no, him on one start. Are. That's just the way it is. If he has a bad game, everyone's going to say, did they, rate the, did they make the right move? Does he translate into the NFL after one game? The same thing they did with the Cleveland, with Cleveland Cavaliers after LeBron came and they start off to a slow start. Calm down. It's an 82-game season when it comes to basketball. Yeah. And, and it takes time for young quarterbacks, especially in this league, you know, to adapt well. But I guarantee you, no matter what his game is, whether it's fantastic or bad or horrible, you know, mediocre, the media is going to play as if, you know, that's what his career is going to end up like. Do you want to know what I'm not going to be watching? I am not going to be watching ESPN First Take because if Johnny Football does great, then Skip Bayless is like going to be all, oh my God, Johnny Football. Did you see what he did? Johnny Football is God. He is the best quarterback in the league. But if Stephen A, if they fail, then Stephen A is like, Johnny Menzel never lived up to the hype. He never lived up to the passion. He doesn't make great decisions. He's a terrible decision maker. And uh, you know what? They got to put back in Brian Hoyer. I, I was thinking if, <laughs> if, was I, if, I, if I work with ESPN, I was up in management there, I would consider moving my headquarters to Cleveland. You have LeBron and Menzel. That's all they talk about. About that. That's about three quarters of what, of what their show is. LeBron, 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 LeBron. This, LeBron, that. After two games, LeBron doesn't like Irving. After three games, LeBron loves Irving. Johnny Menzel hates Irving. Johnny Menzel doesn't know where Irving is. Who is Irving? Who's Cleveland? Where's Cleveland? They should just move their headquarters to Cleveland. Because I guarantee you, you're going to see in a couple. All headlines are going to be Cleveland. Cleveland. They should move their headquarters to Cleveland. I just. It's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but other than what's in Cleveland, do you know what to do in Cleveland? Has I'm saying I mean, ESPN should. I'm not yeah, saying you I, should. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm just saying, though, what, what, what would I do in Cleveland besides, you know, watch sports and go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I hear that there's good ice cream there. But uh, anyway, so also, what would you guys think of my uh, Stephen A. Smith impression? Horrible. Fail? Horrendous. I was going to call you out. You can leave it to Jay Farrow. On there, he's he's got it on lock. Don't 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 like chase your right. impressions around. Yeah, I, I, you know I'm I'm not an impressionist. I just anyway anyway. So uh, okay. So what next? Jeff Fisher's troll against the Washington. Oh, <laughs> love that! That was hilarious. <laughs> Jeff Fisher. I wish more coaches did this. I wish more coaches did what Jeff Fisher did. Is he had the six players that they. They got in the trade from uh, they basically from the Washington Redskins who traded a bunch of draft picks. So all the players that that uh, the acquired. Rams acquired with those draft picks, they sent them out for the coin toss. And kudos to you, Jeff Fisher, a great coach. But even what a troll that was! I thought that was hilarious. And the only finish off of that troll that's needed is is the Redskins to release RG three this coming season because they don't like him no more. For the Rams to pick him up and win a Super Bowl with RG3 as their quarterback would be the greatest trade of all time. Uh, I just, do you think that is the greatest troll of all time? Because, I mean, the the Rams, they just destroyed the Redskins. And and the big thing is, everybody, everybody loves shutouts. What? I think it was back-to-back shutouts around Yeah, ba- back-to-back shutouts like the like the first time since 1948, I think it was, that the Rams had, and that was back when they were ironically in Cleveland. Because we were talking about Johnny Menzel and stuff, but uh, but that do you do you do that troll? It's, it's, a, it's an all timer. That's probably the best NFL one they've had. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that 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 troll. I mean, this is why I'm I'm excited that if the Rams come back, I mean you know you you look at late in the season how good that they've done, and if the Rams actually do come back, you get Jeff Fisher and all you know the 
the I mean the the Rams right now they're they're not going anywhere. But you know, all of a sudden they become this more likable team, and you know, defensively they just put the 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 Redskins you know in the street and uh, did not let them back in the house. So uh, so now now that we are done talking about that, uh, this week's NFL matchups we have of course the Thursday night game between the Rams and the Cardinals. Do you think the Rams are going to continue? Their winning streak at home against the ten and three Cardinals, or do you see the Cardinals uh, taking them down? So, this is actually an interesting matchup. I think it's it's a lot closer than people think. People think the Rams is a bad team, and and the Cardinals is a great team. I, I have to disagree. I think the Rams are a very solid team, especially defensively. They had some issues at, at uh, quarterback in the beginning of the season, but the Rams under Jeff Fisher are going to be a good team in the coming years, and they're a pretty solid team now. That being said, who's going? Where, where is the game being played? Games being played in St. Louis. I think the, I know. I, you know, I'm going to go with St. Louis with this upset. I think Drew Stanton. He's no Carson Palmer. I think. I think. That, you know, this is going to be a defensive battle. It's going to be like a 16-13 type game. Both you have two top-notch defenses here. Not statistically, but uh, Arizona has. A, you know, I think that they give up a lot of passing yards. But they're a very solid defensive team, so I think this will be a close game. But I'm going to go with St. Louis. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with the Cardinals just because of the fact that you know that this they're they're not just trying to you know make the playoffs. I mean they're they're in the second spot right now at ten and three. If they lost, then it's the difference between a bye game and you know having to play a wild card team and possibly getting upset. In the first round. However, I do agree with your sentiment that it's going to be a defensive game, and I'm going to go 10-7 in favor of the Cardinals. 10-7 is a little too low on there. I, I, it's probably going to get into the 20s, but I'm going to take St. Louis. St. Louis? Oh, there. man, two, two upsets. All right, so now we have the Steelers and the Falcons, who, by the way, hold the first-place tie over the Saints in that tragic, horrible, garbage NFC South. Yeah, this game is not going to be close. I don't know what you've been watching lately, but that Falcons defense is not. It's a, it kind of reminds me of you know Prince Fielder's defense. Speaking of, <laughs> whoa, so, shots I, fired! So I think the Steelers are gonna have a fairly easy day. All right, uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the Steelers. Yeah, the the Falcons have been atrocious, you know, especially in the air. You know, I have, games in Atlanta. By the way, I've got Big Ben playing. I've got Julio Jones playing. Just let it air out all game for me. I'll be happy. Whoever wins, <laughs> whoever wins. All right. So from one team that is that has lost the franchise to a team that has a face of the franchise that's face has been messed up. Eli Manning versus uh, whoever you want to throw in there. You know, blank is starting for the Redskins this week. Giants versus Redskins in New York. Who do you got? Uh, this is a game that should legally not be televised for uh, you know. Sake, it's on Fox. It's an embarrassment to football that game. I don't see any way the Redskins. The Redskins are just so bad all around. I, I, I the Giants just. They have Odell Beckham. I just got to vote the Giants. Must see TV would would be hard knocks on the Redskins season just because of all the drama that's happening. I got the Giants winning this one big. You got to look at the Giants winning this one. There's just too much going on in the locker room right now. And people, it's RG3, is it the coach? What's going on? Snyder's involved again, which is never a good thing for the Redskins. All right. So now we have the Dolphins at the Patriots. You know, Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill, you know, he's been playing some good football as of late. But then you got Tom Brady at home. Uh, Even though the Dolphins have been a good story. I don't think they're going to be good enough. Tom Brady outclasses a very good up-and-coming Dolphins team. This is going to be a very interesting match. The last time these two teams met, they went down to the wire. I think Tom Brady threw a touchdown at the end or something, if I'm not mistaken. Dolphins are a very solid defensive team, and offensively they're also doing a good job as a late. I really want to pick the Patriot this one, but something's just telling me go Dolphins. I'm going to go with the Dolphins. I was feeling Miami, too, on there. I think they're going to... Get the Patriots their second loss in three games. The Raiders with the big win over the 49ers last week. How do you like the Raiders going up against the Chiefs? Kansas City's got a lot to prove after giving up the Raiders' first win of the year. On there, I think Kansas City's going to be a different team this time around, especially with the uh, you know B 
be bold, be brave, be Barry going on right now with supporting Eric Barry. Yeah, I'm going to go with the, it's, it's Kansas City. I'm going to go with the Kansas City here, too. I like Kansas City in this one as well. So now we have got the J.J. Watt Texans versus the Colts in Indianapolis. Even though I think that the Colts are going to win, I still have J.J. Watt as my uh, defensive MVP. MVP that and uh, But Andrew Luck is going to win. Uh, this is an interesting matchup. JJ, there, there's got to be, if, if Aaron Rodgers wasn't having the year he's having, J.J. Watt, in my opinion, should be the MVP. And there's still, you know, there's still time for him to prove he's MVP. What he's done on the offense side of the ball and defense side of the ball, I think he has three touchdowns this season. He does. More... He just dominates. And he, how many defensive touchdowns does he have? One. I believe. I think no, he's had two. I think he's had. I think he's, he's had, had two. Yeah, I think he had this one this past week. Or, yeah. I know he had an offensive one this past week. What he does is just, he, but he dominates the game like no one else does on the defense side so of the ball. So much passion, so much integrity, so much power. That J.J. Watt's said, the man. Andrew Luck, I mean, he's sloppy at times. He throws pick, but he just finds a way, as he did against the Browns this past week. I got to go with the Colts. All right, so n- now, uh, did you make your pick, Tyler? You gotta look at the Texans. I think on their JJ Watt. I think he's gonna get to Andrew Luck. All right. So now we have Johnny Football at home in his home debut against the Bengals, and probably the most hyped up start, most watched start in football history. Who do you got, Johnny Manziel or Andy Dalton? I don't know if it's gonna be the most hyped up start of all time on there. There's gonna be some guys that are gonna come in at some point. They could have larger, definitely performed a little better. But I think Johnny Manziel is going to take this game because we kind of predicted this one already, I think. All right, so, yeah. I, I got to say the Browns, too, mainly because Andy Dalton. I mean, it's going to be an interesting match because the Browns, uh, Bengals have an interesting defense. That being said, that being said, Andy Dalton is very good at finding cornerbacks to throw the ball to. Say, I agree with that sentiment, but I actually agree with the sentiment more <laughs> That Johnny Manziel is just gonna come out, just lighting it up. Uh, I don't. I mean, I think he's just gonna do things athletically. That's just gonna stun, you know, the Bengals. And you know, with that home crowd behind him, I actually pick Johnny Manziel winning his first start of his career against the Bengals. So, before we pick any more NFL games, we're kind of running short on time. We need to get to some other things because it's big, important things happening right now. What's happening? College football playoffs set on there. How did we not mention? Ah, Al- man. Alabama, I think the Oregon, committee, Ohio we got State. five minutes. The committee, talking about the committee. Florida State. Florida State is an Ohio State, and then you got Alabama. The committee messed up big time, in my opinion. And there was no win-win situation for the committee. However, you're going to have to explain to me a couple things. How TCU dropped from three to six. After winning 55-3, to that will need to be explained. Missouri State and Michigan State. Michigan State, I think, was uh, 8, and Missouri State was 11 or something. They switched, and they, none of the teams played. Michigan State didn't even play this week. Missouri State didn't play, and they switched spots. So how that happens, I don't understand. Ohio State is a great team. Uh, Urban Meyer has done a Fantastic job there. Michigan better get Jim Harbaugh if they want to if they, if they catch up with that. But that being said, I don't know how Baylor, uh, how TCU went from the number three to the number six. And I, I know what, you know, you're telling me all, you know, Ohio 59 nothing, all that. But if, if I don't know, I just don't, don't understand how that happened. They have more wins in the top 25 than any other team. TCU does. TCU, you know, had lost to Baylor early in the year. They're playing Iowa State the last game of the year. Not a very good team. Correct. But that but that's what was in front of them, though. That, well, it's also you got to look at your schedule, and that's why and, Baylor's and, not in it because they had wait, a very wait, wait, weak and, schedule. And, and, and Ohio's played, 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 Ohio State played the Big Ten this year. The Big Ten's horrendous. Yeah, but Horrible. You, you look at it, Ohio State, what they have going now, they have their third quarterback in the game, and they're, they're winning that big. They're a good all-around team. That's why they No one's up. arguing with that. Just Meanwhile, do you guys agree with the, the Final Four? No, no. The, the, what's the point of the polls before? The, I, I, if, if you're going to go, I don't think, don't suggest who your four are until the last week. Because how a team could fall from three to four, uh, th- three to six, after winning 55 to three, if I'm not saying that was the score. But that, that, I don't understand how that makes sense. However, there was no win-win situation. Because if TCU would have got in, everybody in Baylor would have been saying, 
you know, we beat we beat you. However, although TCU played the better game that 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 week, they were up fifty nine thirty eight, if I'm not mistaken, in the fourth quarter, and they they played a horrible fourth quarter. You know, and was or, Baylor was also playing Kansas State, who was number nine in the country, and they beat and them. So that, but TCU has team. four wins against top twenty five teams. They they're, they're a very solid team. Now, however, interesting Ohio State. Yes, are they one of the? I think they they may be one of the. They kind of deserve to be in there. I just don't understand the whole process how it works. Yeah. If if you take a team down, two teams never played. They didn't play that week. How they switch spots? Oh, so but do you guys agree with the final four? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a good four. It's a good four. I don't agree with it, but it's a good four. I don't think there's a win-win situation for the yeah. committee. And You're then, always going to have a fan bases that are just going to be upset, and that's just the way it's going to be. Two things we should talk, touch on real quick. Yeah, Heisman this weekend. Marcus Mariota? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Marcus Mariota, after what he showed in that Pac-12 championship, is I mean, I think he's the best quarterback in the nation. He's definitely ran away with it. Jameis isn't even going to be no, able for it, but he's going to be on the stage because he is a Heisman winner if he makes the trip up there. Last one we should talk about, the best tradition in college football this weekend, Army-Navy. Oh, they're getting together again. Navy's kind of dominated the series recent years, and it's but gonna- it's still... Great to see, you know, the cadets come in, the long gray line, the cadets in the stands, switching sides at halftime. It'd be a great atmosphere it's, again. It's a great atmosphere, but the thing is, the Army hasn't been good, I, th- I think, since, like, the early 90s um, with, with the, uh, with the uh, play action that, 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 that Navy runs. Um, Na- Navy, Navy is going to run away with it. And by the way, I was a former R- NJROTC member of El Camino. Shout out to them. Navy, go Navy. Uh, anyway, I also just want to say thank you uh, for anybody that's ever listened to the show, and uh, thank you to my two favorite producers out back, Nick McNamara and Matt Gottesman. This is going to be my last show because of the fact that uh, I'm going to be moving to New York Day after Christmas, and I'm going to be taking a job being a sports information assistant at the at Fordham University in the Bronx, New York. It's always been a pleasure to have Tyler McGee as my host and a former program director at that, providing his uh, valuable wisdom. And then Shalom Druk, the most fiery man that I know. I mean, he puts the cake in birthday cake. And, uh, you know, Shalom has just been one of my uh, most valuable uh, friends and as well as co-hosts that I've had. So I get the most valuable co-host award. So thank you uh, so much for listening to the show. For Tyler McGee. For Shalom Druk, this has been Ethan Hansen for Inside the Game. And uh, tune in next year because it's going to be Shalom.